Welcome, Soul Family, to another episode of Awaken with Carla, the podcast that empowers you to awaken your mind, nurture your body, heal your heart, and nourish your soul. I am your host, Carla Fernandez, and I'm so thrilled to have you here with me today. In each episode, we explore the realms of health, wellness, spirituality, mindset, and manifestations, all with the intention to guide you towards unlocking your highest potential. Together, we embark on a transformational journey of self-discovery, where we gain practical tools, inspiring insights, and personal stories that will inspire you to create positive changes in your life. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to express my gratitude to all of you, our amazing listeners. Your support and enthusiasm for this podcast is truly heartwarming. It's incredible to see the community growing and thriving, and I'm honored to be a part of this journey. As you know, one of the things that makes Awaken with Carla so special is the opportunity to learn from incredible guest speakers who are experts in their respective field. Their wisdom and experience brings a wealth of knowledge to each episode, inspiring us all to live our best lives. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. I'm delighted to introduce our guest speaker, John David Latta. John is a mystic author, teacher, and a former founder and CEO of a multi-million dollar consumer products company. He shares intimate and personal stories and teaches workshops on leadership, healing, transformation, awakening, love, synchronicities, and the wisdom that unite and expand human experience. He lives with his wife, Wendy, in Raymond, Washington. I had the privilege of diving deep into this fascinating conversation with John, and I know you'll be just as captivated as I was. In this episode, we're going to explore the transformative power of love, healing, growth, and synchronicities. John shares his unique perspective, practical tools, and powerful techniques that can help transform your life in profound ways. Whether you're seeking guidance on physical health, emotional well-being, spiritual awakening, or aligning your mindset for success, you're in the right place. Our intention is to provide you with the tools and inspiration you need to create a life filled with abundance, purpose, and fulfillment. So get ready to ignite your curiosity, expand your consciousness, and awaken to the extraordinary that's within you. Let's dive into today's episode of Awaken with Carla. Thank you for joining me on this incredible journey. Remember the power to transform lies within you. Quick reminder before we jump in, if you're enjoying this episode, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and download the episode, depending on wherever you're listening to this episode. Now let's get started. Welcome, Truth Seekers, to this week's episode of Awaken with Carla. I am your host, Carla Fernandez, and today we have a special guest with us, uh, John Letta, who's here to chat with us a little bit about um, his journey and um, 
Yeah, essentially how he came to doing what he's doing now. So uh, I will turn it over to you, John, and maybe you can just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and um, what you do. Sure. Thank you, Carla. And thank you for inviting me to be on your show. I appreciate it. Um, um, so I'm out here in Redmond, Washington, in the United States, um, just outside of Seattle. Uh, lived here for most of my adult life, although I grew up in Southern California. And um, what I wanted to talk about with you on your show today is the last 20 years of my life, because I went through a uh, profound, painful, deep, and all-encompassing transformation that began around 20 years ago that was really difficult. And looking back, I'm really grateful for it. When I was in it, I wasn't so grateful for it. <laughs> <laughs> I can and appreciate that. <laughs> I bet you can, yeah. And so, um, yeah, you know, if you want a little more detail, um, at the beginning, I was married and had two children, ages nine and 11. Um, I had a very secure job as the store manager uh, for a large regional grocery chain. I managed a number of different stores and uh, was living what I thought was a relatively charmed life. And then came the change. <laughs> uh, my wife got cancer. It kind of came completely out of left field, uh, thyroid cancer. And two weeks after I was diagnosed, they ended up removing the whole thyroid gland. Wow. And uh, which was a scary thing because for the rest of her life, she has to take a pill, a synthetic thyroid hormone just to live. Right. And um, it was unexpected. She was healthy, took good care of herself. Like, where did that come from? Right, right. And, um, and she started to change. She started becoming very quiet and going inward. And I think kind of reviewing her life. Um, I think that happens with a lot of cancer patients. Um, you know, she went through chemotherapy, mostly, uh, they call it radioactive iodine, iodine to clean up any leftover uh, thyroid tissue might be in the body. So it was a difficult time for her. And because I'd been devoutly anti-spiritual and anti-religious and very logical and rational, I probably wasn't the best person to support what she was going through. Her experience, yeah. Yeah. And so she started reading books about God and the meaning of life. And um, I think going through her own little internal life review. At the same time, I left my very secure job, started my own company, which I was so excited about, and within two years, lost all of our money and a whole bunch more, and was $650,000 in debt, quarter million in credit card debt. I borrowed against everything. And then in the middle of all that, for some weird reason, I suddenly was terrified of death. I don't know where it came from. I don't know where, why it was suddenly stalking me. I hadn't really thought about it before. And all I could conceive of with death was when the, when I die, when the body dies, that's it forever. And I couldn't wrap my mind around forever. And it terrified me. And so I didn't have anybody to talk to. I think I would have been pr too proud to even ask somebody like, what happens when you die? You know? Right, right. And um, so I'm a, and then in the middle of it all, my wife decides she wants a whole new life and leaves and says, you take the kids, you're the better parent. See you later. Goodbye. So in the short period of time, I felt like um, bad husband, bad dad, a bad businessman and a grown man who was terrified of death. And um, and that was my personal rock bottom. And every single day for the next two years, one hair's breadth away from going bankrupt and just, you know, an abject fear of like, oh my God, how am I going to start over? I've only done one thing in my whole life. I started out bagging groceries and became a store manager and now I'm doing this, but what would I do? Where would I take my kids? Right. And so um, 
So during that period of desperation and a lot of anxiety and worry every day, like, you know, God, trying to keep it together for my kids and, and worried about money every single day and running around behind closed doors, terrified of death and not knowing what to do about it. Uh, one of my favorite authors was Michael Crichton. And Michael Crichton has written a lot of best-selling novels or turned into books and, or movies and TV series. And, but a lot of people don't know, he wrote a nonfiction book, a sort of autobiography called Travels. And in it, he had a chapter of him breaking down and going to his first ever spiritual retreat. And for somebody who was devoutly anti-spiritual, I kept reading that chapter over and over and over again. And finally, after what I'm not kidding, was like the hundredth time reading that chapter, I threw the book down, I ran to my computer, I said, I wonder if this guy is still teaching the same thing that Michael Crichton went to. And he was, there he was on the internet, teaching the same dang week, or it was 10 days out in the desert, you know, he called it his foundational heart-centered conference. And I signed up, I justified it and said, if I go bankrupt, it's not going to matter. Another $2,000 isn't going to matter. Right. And I remember in the little description online, it said, this can be very life renovating. And that the words just hung in the air. It's like, I think I need some life renovation. <laughs> so I'll take a breath here, but I went and this, this, I titled my book, The Synchronicity of Love. And he taught unconditional love in the heart center. That's really all he taught was shadow work, heart centering, unconditional love. It sounds unglamorous, but it was actually really cool. And, um, and the synchronicities began the minute I signed up. And even um, as I was flying to the, uh, to the, he called it a conference, I called it a retreat, but he calls it a conference. Right. And as the plane is touching down, I'm really nervous because I'm thinking, you know, he sounds like this really brilliant medical doctor, but what if he's really guru like, you know? And I look over and the woman next to me is reading his book. <laughs> And the only two people on that entire plane of like 180 people going to their treat are me and her. And we're sitting by side by side. And she's some cute little grandma from Montana. And so, um, <laughs> and so anyway, everything in my life began to change from then forward. No synchronicities or, or uh, I guess all synchronicities. All synchronicities. Like, in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I have a really good math mind, at least with respect to practical math and business. So I'm really good at calculating probabilities. And boy, that started to go out the window. I was like, wow, what are the, what are the chances of that happening over and over and over again? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think once you start to open up yourself um, to that possibility, then mm -hmm. it, it starts to, or maybe you, we just start to notice it more often. Right. And yeah. so it shows up everywhere in our life. Yeah. Now you mentioned that, you know, there's nothing really glamorous about the, um, and I'm going to try and see if I can remember the phrase exactly that you used, but there's nothing really glamorous about, you know, the shadow work and, and mm -hmm. the heart connection. But right. I actually think that it's, it's a very important topic to discuss because it's really in in it's really working through that shadow work or, or spending time in in the shadow and understanding the shadow that we can start to open up our heart to bigger possibilities and then as you said and i'm sure you're a testament to this is that it can absolutely transform your life yeah yeah, I, I say it's not glamorous, but it is infinitely valuable and yeah. infinitely wondrous. Um, and, you know, um, 
I, I, they work hand in hand, but I think I had to kind of learn to expand my heart first before I could embrace the shadow work, not the other way around. Although I, I can see they kind of go hand in hand. Yes, and I yes. think it began, I didn't really know what I was doing, but some part of me knew what I was doing. And I took to the work really sincerely. And so I tell a lot of people in the spiritual journey, I think your sincerity is probably the most important thing of all. Like the intention is important, but the sincerity behind the intention. And so some part of me was really... Um, wanted to do the shadow work and I didn't care what came up, you know, good, bad, everything in between. I wanted it all. And, um, and so I took to it very sincerely. And there was just a lot of this heart centered, unconditional love for countless aspects of myself and countless triggers that would come up, you know, in confrontations with other people. Right. Right. And and so what was the tool I would ask that supported you the most when it came to you know opening up the shot or the heart and and really navigating the shadow work because it it can be challenging for for people to do both really to open up their heart to a a place that um you know invites more gratitude and joy into life but also you know dealing with the those aspects of our shadow that need to, to be resolved. So was there something yeah. particular that you, that helped you through that journey? Absolutely. And this is a great topic because the teacher, uh, he went by his middle name, Brew. His, his name literally was Brew Joy. That was his real name. Um, he used to say over and over and over again, the mind and or the ego can't do shadow work. It thinks it can but it's too small to do shadow work. And so we bring in something larger, more transcendent, which he called the heart center, unconditional love. And it was literally spending time right here. And he would, he would be a very beautiful, slow ritual. He goes, I'm, I'm calling in all the grace of the heart center, compassion, unconditional love, healing, harmony. And he would do it over and over again. And so you might say in a way, you're bathing yourself, you're dipping into unconditional love. And in a way you're asking God or divinity or your guides or your angels, however you want to call it to, for the, the, the grace and the experience of unconditional love, because from that place, Oh, shadow work is so easy because it's sort of like from the place of love, love loves the white sheep and the black sheep, the same there, you know, love is just love. And so that's what I want to encourage everybody doing shadow work, try to bring in that element of love. And it, it is a feeling state. You know, there's a movie out called um, Trip of Compassion. And it's about uh, in Israel, they're using MDMA, you know, the drug they call ecstasy for healing PTSD. And right. they, if you watch that movie, they, they have a number of different um, folks that are dealing with PTSD and they take the MDMA and they take three sessions and it's very, it's a clinical setting, you know, they're very, you know, careful about everything. But what happens is MDMA almost recontextualizes your memory, your past through the, the felt experience of compassion. And it's kind of a weird thing. It's like how you see yourself, how you judge yourself, how you um, perceive your life is changed. And so sitting in that space of unconditional love and asking for, you might say petitioning divinity, like 
I, give me some help here. <laughs> Let me experience this through the eyes and the feeling sense of love. It's so much easier to do shadow work that way. But if you try and do it with your mind, to, in my experience, it's just temporary. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that part of me. Well, yeah, you know, it's like, but you still might trip up over the same things and get triggered. But if you, it's love and compassion are um, more effective long term transformers. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, it's really getting into that heart space. And yeah. do you do you do that just through a form of like meditation mm-hmm. in the heart center? Um, and using some of those affirmations that you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, came from from the this um, course that you were taking or this teacher right. that you studied with? Yeah, so I try, I'm not always perfect at it. I try once or twice a day for about 20 minutes to literally do that little ritual where I call in the heart center. Right. And, um, and it's different every single time. Sometimes it feels like not much is happening. Sometimes it feels like a lot is happening. Uh, sometimes there'll be, you know, visual experiences, you know, when you're meditating. So, um, but that's, you know, um, that's the best way I can describe it. It's sort of like you're dipping yourself in love. And the more you dip yourself, the more it starts to take hold after a while. And um, yeah, and it's just, uh, anybody can do it. It's free. Admittedly, I think it's easier when you're starting out to do it in a group when everybody's doing it together, because there's sort of a group coherence. And it's like, um, it can be a subtle thing where you just... You know, you, you've probably been with a group of people and you just somehow the group feels safe Absolutely. in that safety and trust. Your heart opens and people will share things and open up that they wouldn't in real life. You know what I mean? With right. other people. Right. And so the more I think you sort of kind of get in that groove of that safe, open hearted trust uh, becomes easier and easier to do it out in the real world away from the group. So I, I always suggest people find a group that does heart-centered meditation uh, or works with the field of what I would call unconditional love and, and just stick with it. Some people get it right away. I I have this feeling there's, um, you know, like those childhood prodigies that, you know, are playing Bach and Beethoven at the age of four, you know, there's past life experience. Some people get it right away. Some people, it does take time and effort, you know, and, but the sincerity is everything. The sincerity is there things will change. Yes. As you mentioned, you, you yeah. have to, we have to um, sort of fully in, embrace the change and, and yeah. really be open to, uh, to sort of the journey that, that is going to come along with, with the change. But if yeah. we, if we do it with resistance, then it, it just creates much more pain yeah. um, and, and much more friction in our life, right? Things yeah. to not flow as, easy and effortlessly if yeah. if, we're, if we don't uh, approach things with that sincerity or approach things with you know more than just intention as you mentioned but um, yeah. really the 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 determination to you know open yourself up and go on that journey so that you can essentially invite and welcome almost anything into your life yeah, that is the goal. It's and it's awesome. It can be infuriatingly challenging sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's it's an amazing, awesome journey. Yeah. And yeah. so, how long from when you sort of ventured off 
um, on this new path or on this new journey, did you really start to notice the changes in your life? Because, you know, you were at a challenging point in your life, you know, at times when you're in that really dark point of your life, it can, it can feel like you're never going to get out of it. And so, you know, giving context to, you know, if, if you commit to a practice and you're open to the practice and, you know, you embrace everything that it's there to teach us, you know, what does that journey look like or, or how long can, can it really take for someone to get out of that? that Well, okay. So I'll tell you what happened. So I go to the retreat and I loved it. Way more than I ever expected. And I was almost like high as a kite coming out of it. I said all my problems when I came home. And the first thing I discovered, because I'd never been to a workshop like this before, is sort of the the workshop high hangover, (laughs) kind of re-entry back into the real world. (laughs) That was hard for a while. But it's hard to put into words. Um, I had all the same problems. They all stayed there, all the same struggles, but they just felt a little bit lighter. And so I had a little bit of a something to hold on to now. And so what happened, uh, I, I continued a regular heart-centered meditation practice. And the only thing that really remarkable that happened for the next couple of years was uh, the teacher liked to, uh, he thought dreams were sacred, encouraged all of us to write down our dreams, pay attention to our dreams. And so I started to do that. And it took a while and pretty soon I had a lot of dreams, but then I was confronted with a lot of people that want to do dream work. Like, what the hell does that mean? I have no idea. You know, dreams are, you know, very rarely concrete and literal. They're all over the map and they're symbolic and it kind of requires an intuitive touch, which I was really yeah. learning. I didn't really have. Yeah. And, um, but it was fun and I was learning a lot and dreams are a great way to do shadow work. Boy, if there's parts of self that you have carefully well hidden, they always come out in dreams. And so it's like the ultimate journey into vulnerability. So that went on for two years, single dad, raised my parents. I wasn't dating. I was still trying to save my business, which stopped getting worse, but wasn't getting better. So I was just hanging, you know, just this far above drowning every day. I was coaching my kids' ball teams and helping with their activities, trying to have a normal life. And then came the thing that really changed my life. Um, I had the opportunity to appear on QVC, the Home Shopping Network, and to sell my products, which I'd never done before. And um, I'd never been on live TV before, so I was nervous. And they said, you're going to have 700,000 new viewers every 60 seconds. I was like, are you kidding me? Goodness. Because there's channel surfers and they'll stop and watch for a minute. And so you're going to give your pitch and it's going to be like just a casual chat over the backyard fence of the neighbor, but you're going to give it seven times, like the same pitch every minute, because you're going to have new viewers every minute. And so I did it. I didn't screw up too much. I sold a fair amount of product, not a lot, but not a little kind of in between went back to my hotel room in Philadelphia and I couldn't sleep and I had all this joy in my body. And I was just assuming it was because I didn't screw up on live TV. (laughs) I didn't embarrass myself, but you know, I was on West coast time, but I was on the East coast and I had to get up at five in the morning to fly home, but I wasn't tired. And anyway, I finally around midnight, I lay there kind of dozing half asleep. And all of a sudden I have this experience of what feels like this giant orgasm in my perineum area, my, my root chakra. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes, poof, poof, and it kind of pushes through my whole body. I'm like, what the heck was that? You know, 
And then a few minutes goes by, poof, this beautiful like orgasm <laughs> and it fills my whole body. I'm like, oh, what was that? And this goes on for like hours. And half of me is scared. Like the little part-time Catholic boy is like, cause I did go to church a little bit growing up, although we were part-time Catholics at best was like, what the hell is going on? And another part of me is like, I don't know, but it sure feels good. And so all this energy, all this beautiful energy and finally get up, I shake it off. I'm lucky. I slept maybe an hour or two, get up, I fly home. And I ask a bunch of people from that first retreat, like, what is this? You know? And they said, well, it sounds like Kundalini, look it up. And so I looked it up online and I bought some books and it did sound like what was happening to me. And I, um, and so what started after that was about every second or third day, what I would call the energy would show up and, and it would stay as long as I let it, I would have unbelievable visions, uh, unbelievably beautiful, energetic experiences. I would have every goddess imaginable, redheads, blondes, brunettes, ancient ones, young ones. And I felt like, this sounds kind of funny, Carl. I was having sex with all of them. And, um, and so without knowing it, you might say I was being initiated into all things feminine. And, um, and so again, you don't ever see it when you're in it, but looking back, it's like, and I remember having dreams where I was back at my old job, you know, as a grocery store manager, now it's all being run by women and I don't know what to do anymore. And they're like, Oh, it's okay. We're going to show you how to do everything our way now. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. And so crazy energetic experiences, visions, and you have to remember, like, I was so anti-spiritual, anti-religious. I literally thought I was the last person on the planet will ever have anything like this happen to me. Right. And so it was so shocking, so unexpected. I didn't know what a lot of words meant when they were happening. I would wake up in strange yoga positions, doing strange things, and I didn't even practice yoga. <laughs> that is interesting. And so that's when things really started to change and heat up. And, and right. uh, one of the first things that happened was I became a healer, but I didn't take any Reiki courses. Like energy would just move through me on behalf of others randomly you know it had its own intention but i was like this walking little energy healer now and i never <laughs> took the courses <laughs> well that's incredible when, when you're in alignment yeah you know um who you are meant to be whether you're consciously aware of it or not then yeah. everything just starts to um sort of open up for itself whether yeah. you're in the driver's seat or not right it, it just yeah. happens it just yeah. happens yeah. Yeah. And it was one of the most enthralling, disconcerting, worrisome times of my entire life because so much was happening. I was afraid like, dang, I'm a single dad. Mm -hmm. I've got a big company that by the time this happened, things were starting to get better. I realized, I think I'm going to be okay. I think I'm going to be able to get out of debt. The company was growing and actually making money. Uh, and, and I was, but I was afraid I was going to be weird. I wasn't gonna be able to run my company. I wasn't gonna be able to dad to my kids, you know, I wasn't going to be normal. And so it was like walking this tightrope between, wow, what is going on with me? And like, oh, okay. My kids are home from school now. Right, right. <laughs> what kind of homework do you have? And so, um, yeah, it was definitely kind of walking with one foot in both worlds which I admit was very challenging for me. I mean, part of me wanted to be in one or the other, but to try and do both, uh, that was a challenge for me. 
And how long did it take you to embrace this new, um, this new version that, of yourself that you were sort of learning? Because well, I think that that can, as you said, it was challenging for you, but yeah. for many people, it it is very challenging to sort of break from the mold that they've, you know, sort of been fit into for however long in their life. And now they're, yeah. they're trying to break that mold and become something different, someone completely different from who they used to be. And, you know, I find that even with myself, having gone through this experience, that the biggest challenge is how will everyone in my life accept and um, embrace this new change because they they know me to be whatever yeah. fit into that mold, right? Yeah, you brought up an excellent point. Uh, and that was also probably one of my biggest challenges. I learned pretty quickly, hmm, maybe I shouldn't share this with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, my family would just look at me like, yeah, well, you know, how about the weather out there? Right. <laughs> they would change the subject. And I, I, and so, um, yeah, even in my days when I was a store manager, I would see people that would say, I'm going to quit drinking. I've been drinking my whole life, or I'm going to quit smoking weed. I've been getting baked every day since I was 16. I'm going to quit. And they're so excited and they join AA or various groups and they do, they quit. But that's the easy part because they soon find out that their entire life was and all of their friendships and activities wrapped up in drinking, wrapped up in getting high. And so now they can't do it. So like, oh my God, I might have to move. I might have to get all new friends. I have to get new hobbies and activities. Right. And so that's exactly what was happening to me too. And some part of me was still clinging desperately to my old life. And another part of me was like, oh, you got to let it go. And so um, it wasn't easy, Carla. I, I never you know, I, I, I would get together with people and I don't know, talk about sports. I was kind of one of these hard driving competitive guys who loved intense sports and loved, um, business. And, and I, anyway, I, I would get together people. And the only, I, the, this energy thing that was visiting me every two or three nights was the most exciting thing in my life. Right. <laughs> we couldn't really talk about it with anybody. Right. And so I, I got a few, sort of trusted spiritual friends that just managed to find, um, not in my area, but online. And so I'd spent a lot of time on the phone with them and a lot of email going back and forth, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and so the other friendships would either fell away or they just weren't the same anymore. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely, um, I can definitely, <laughs> I share in that experience for sure. I think, yeah. you know, um, when you do make a radical change in your life like that, you know, it just, you're no longer, um, the, you, you're, you're no longer the same person that you were when you met those individuals. And if they haven't changed, or I mean, everybody's changing all the time, we're always changing, yeah. but if they're still for the most part, living life the way they were, and they're not prepared to, you know, take steps forward, then it becomes difficult to um, be in each other's lives. And yeah. but I also think that's part of the journey is knowing that at, we will have people that come in and out of our lives at different times and at different stages because they're serving us on our journey and our lessons or, and we're serving them, right? It's, it's, um, um, 
sort of dual relationship there is beneficial for both. And, you know, they either stay in our life for a long period of time or they fall out right at the exact time that they need to fall out as we progress or as we move forward or, or they move forward, right? Whatever yeah. the situation is. I totally agree with you. And that has been my experience like crazy for the last 20 years. And, but I don't always, I don't always talk about that with some people because I know some people, it's not their experience. They don't believe it. I got married at 16. I'm going to stay married the rest of my life. And that's okay. It's just, I, I've had to also make peace with um, this is how my life is where people come in and then they go and, and trying to hang on to them never works. No, you know, and it's like, I try and there's just this sense, like it's done, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, and they move on and it's all good. Um, but that's not everybody's journey, but that's definitely been my journey. <laughs> yes. Yes. I yeah. can definitely relate to that. <laughs> I relate to that. Yeah. Um, so then tell me how um, you got to writing this book. I mean, uh, obviously, there was probably a lot that happened in between, you know, yeah. the start of your journey and, and where you are today, but sort of what led you down the path of um, writing the book? Well, I was so grateful to Michael Crichton for writing his book, because I think a lot of people... So I like to read books. I have my whole life. And I was one of those kids, you know, riding his little stingray bike to the library and coming back with as many books as I could carry in one arm. And so uh, his book, um, I, he was a very highly intelligent, highly successful man that looked very dimly upon spirituality. And I did too. And so I identified with a lot of his positions and the way he saw things. And, but he went through his own midlife crisis and it was a really, you know, everybody's rock bottom is different. So the guy's like 30 years old and he's achieved everything he's ever wanted in his entire life. He graduated from Harvard medical school. I think he taught at Cambridge and Oxford. He wrote best-selling novels. He made TV shows, uh, oh. movies. And all of a sudden he goes, I finished a movie and I'm flying home and I break out on this cold sweat because I suddenly realized every goal I've ever wanted to achieve, I've achieved. And I have no idea what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And he was terrified. And he goes, you can imagine like I'm rich and famous and I've achieved so much. There's not a lot of sympathy for me. <laughs> and so he went to Maui and he hung out there and he'd go, he says, I'd buy $500 worth of books at a time and I'd read them all. And they were all equally uninteresting. He goes, I couldn't get out of the hole I was in. And the book that changed him was he bought Ram Dass's book, Be Here Now. And he didn't, he didn't want to like that book, but he was at Harvard at the same time that Ram Dass was there and got kicked out for experimenting with LSD on students. Okay. And, and so, and he goes, I was ready to read this book and it was going to be the drug addled brain of a former really successful Harvard professor. And I identified with every single thing he wrote. And he goes, I was horrified. Like, like, I don't want to go to India. I don't, you know, I still like wearing Brooks Brothers suits, you know, <laughs> he goes, but I couldn't get around that there was something in this book that every word he wrote rang true for me. And so anyway, so coming back to your question, um, I was so grateful for him sharing his journey. I wanted to share my journey with others. And so a lot of you cool, uh, you know, competitive, highly rational males, and females and everything in between who think you know it all, you know, there's this entire world out there. And, um, and so I think I just wanted to share, I wrote it similar to Michael Crichton, uh, but even more so it's 119 short stories, all true stories. 
probably half the stories intertwined with a dream in one way or another. And I, I think I just want people to know, like, I read Crichton's book and took the plunge into, you know, my first retreat and heart-centered meditation and everything in my life changed. And so I encourage everybody, like, take the plunge. <laughs> That's why I wrote the book. It's so worth it. It's yeah. worth it when you take the plunge and yeah. you, know, you take that leap of faith and you you move in the direction that your soul is calling you to move in. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, unless you're extremely connected to your, that spiritual side of you, you may not know what why you're being called to move in a certain direction. But, you know, that from my perspective is is that soul guiding us and leading us down the path that is meant for us in order to bring us to, you know, these pivotal points in our life. Because I think, unfortunately, part of human conditioning is that unless we experience extreme pain, we're not necessarily <laughs> motivated to, to make these um, changes and the transformation in our life that we need to, that we need to embrace in order to change the course of our life. Um, you know, I find from working with clients, it, it, it requires a lot of pain to create that movement. And uh, it's unfortunate, <laughs> it is unfortunate, but when we do take the leap of faith, and when we, you know, open our hearts, as you mentioned, um, it, it does open up so many endless opportunities that we can't possibly even begin to conceive because, you know, we don't, don't have necessarily a crystal ball but it, it does open up space for a lot of wonderful things to come into our life yeah i agree and i'm one of those throngs of millions who waited to hit rock bottom and pain there are so many things that i wouldn't have done it if i'd stayed married if i'd stayed and if everything was funky dory the same i wouldn't have done it and i it makes me sad. Uh, and I'm not the only one. There's jillions of people like if it gets really, 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 really rotten, people make changes. Yeah. And so I, I try every day to the best of my ability, like, can I stay like you described it sort of uh, at one with my soul's path, mm -hmm. instead of waiting to hit rock bottom again before I make any changes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. I, I do think though that once you're on this journey and you're open to um you know to sort of uh, being navigated or or uh, you know um guided down this this sort of journey, I think you're you always stay open, but it yeah. does require a change in perspective. It does require um us to be able to look at the uh experiences that we're having in our life it, mm -hmm. with a different lens because if yeah. we if we revert back to those old patterns if we don't keep our heart chakra our heart space open and we revert back to the old patterns then we never truly progress right but yeah you stay committed um as you mentioned and there's that sincerity to um remain on the journey remain on the path of you know, self-discovery, self-improvement, and, um, you know, continuing that self-awareness, I think, then it's so much easier to just stay on regardless of what's happening with, uh, in, in, yeah. our, in our journey. 
I do think I stay on, but I, I, I know after 20 years, like, I don't know how to put this into word it's words, but it's like, um, my brain is always catching up to me. <laughs> and so like, I'm aware, like I've changed, but the habits that are wired in the brain yeah. take me back down sometimes to, and they're not bad habits. They're just old habits. And, and so I'm learning, like, it's one thing to know about something. It's another thing to kind of fully embody it. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I actually felt really good. There's a spiritual teacher named David Spangler who was really popular in the seventies, eighties. He was one of the founders of the Findhorn sp spiritual community in Scotland. And, and he lives here locally and was one of the young leaders of what was originally called the new age movement. And he says, you know, I had a spiritual experience 30 years ago and I'm still trying to unpack it. And so yeah, that is how I feel sometimes. Like there's a lot of me that's still crying to change. And there's a lot of me going, I kind of like the familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's a, anyway, so I, I think sometimes what happened to me is I had a whole bunch of spiritual experiences all at the same time, which for me caused me to read a lot of books, like things would happen to me. And it felt comforting to read a book and have other people say, Oh, yeah, I've gone through that. And so, um, but the the embodying part, the integrating part, I, I might be at that till the rest of my life, till the end of my life. It's it that's how it feels to me. The integration is the hardest part. It is, yeah. It's time consuming. It's two steps forward, one step back, sometimes three steps back. So yeah. 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 But I think again, if you're committed to um to moving forward, even though you take those steps back, you, it, it's so much easier to get back on track than yeah. like than if you have never really uh, embarked on the journey, right? I, I think, yeah. but having the sincerity and the intention behind and holding that vision of what you're ultimately working towards is is what's going to help you come back onto that path quicker right because yeah. at the end of the day we are humans we'll fall off the bandwagon and it's part of the journey to keep you know bringing us back on track but yeah you know, with the right focus in mind and with the right um sort of intention um it's a little bit easier to come back on track than than when you're not really fully in alignment i agree i yeah. agree yeah <laughs> So, um, well, thank you. I appreciate, you know, you taking the time to, to chat with me about um, some of this stuff today. I really uh, got to know you a little bit more. And um, actually, I would love for you to share maybe one or two stories of, um, of I guess, the stories that you have in your book or, you know, um, just some context around like sure. what, what sort of um, stories are included in the book. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm teaching a workshop in person here in the Seattle area on February 25th. And, and what I'm teaching is, um, subject is love, just a small subject, but it's really about self-love and body love. And one of the things I've learned in this journey <clears throat> in staying in the space of love is this connection to the body in a way that I maybe hadn't had before. And you might say the body and John are talking to each other. And so um, I'll skim over it really quickly, but I have four stories in the book that I share. And there's, there's many others where I had chronic neck pain for six years that I blamed on 
being rear-ended in a car crash. It was a classic whiplash type injury. And man, I tried, and mind you, at the time, I was really athletic. I was doing triathlons and playing basketball three times a week with people half my age. And and so, um, and I tried everything. I tried stretching exercises, reading books, uh, sitting on a bouncy ball at work, doing a stand-up desk. I did chiropractic. I did acupuncture, massage. Uh, I, lost, uh, I lost count of all the things I tried. Uh, and everything would work for a day or two, and I'd be right back to just severe neck pain. Like I could hardly get through my whole day. Mm-hmm. One day I come home from work. Uh, my kids got off the school bus at four o'clock. I got home about three 30 and I laid down in tears. Like I just couldn't believe I was in my forties have to live this way for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I said, why the heck does my neck hurt so bad? And in an instant, I had this powerful dream image of a monk, you know, shaved head, red robe, pacing back and forth outside my house. And, um, and I had no idea, but I somehow that was trying to tell me why my neck hurt. And I'm like, why does that monk pacing outside my house have anything to do with my neck pain? Another month goes by. Here comes the next dream. That first spiritual teacher I had is coming towards me in the dream and he's got his hands out and he's going to heal my neck with his hands. I'm like, oh, thank God. And right as he goes to put his hands on my neck, uh, I see an angry old man who lives on my neck. He says, excuse my French on your your show, get the fuck away. And, And so it, it was slow, but I figured out over time, I carry resistance in my neck. Now, almost everybody has a part of the body they carry resistance in. It can be their gut, their shoulders, their neck, their back, their head. You know, there's somewhere when I'm resisting what's going on in my life, there's like a clinching or something that happens in the body. Mm-hmm. And so that took a long time, but and I started learning. And believe me, I was at a time where I was resisting everything in my life. I was resisting spiritual stuff. I think that's what the dream was trying to show me. Like you have a very spiritual side, like a selfless monk. No way. That is not me. He is not coming in. Two years later, the final culminating dream, I, this, this monk that I saw at the end of my driveway is standing like right behind me. And he's looking at me with such love. He's in my house. And, um, and I suddenly realized my neck didn't hurt anymore. And so that's, and anyway, I had dreams of, you need to take turmeric because I have a body that runs really hot. And I'm like, turmeric, the Indian spice. And as I look it up, it's like nature's anti-inflammatory. Oh my God, this is great. Um, I had a story in there about throwing my back out before I had to fly all the way across the country. And I was going, oh, this is going to be horrible and uncomfortable airplane seat. And the song, don't worry, be happy starts playing in my head. And I, I, my intuition said, sing the song. And I literally hummed that song all the way from Seattle to Florida and back. And my back healed, which that has never happened before. Like it would usually take weeks for me to throw up my back and, and heal it. Um, anyway, so uh, a, a practical aspect of staying in the heart center is greater um, flow of communication between what I call me and my body. And, and oh, you might be familiar since you're on the journey about, you know, that the whole planet is in the process of ascension and rising to high vibration. And a lot of us are experiencing what they call ascension symptoms. And so I, I went through a period of time where it felt like I was drinking coffee every night. I went before I went to bed, like my body is vibrating and it's, 
energized and it feels worried. It feels scared. I'm like, there's nothing in my life that I'm afraid of what is going on. And this profound vision comes forward of mother earth giving birth to a body. And I watch the body ascend at really high speed. And it's standing at the feet of these beautiful ancient divine beings. And I knew what it was trying to tell me. And so I literally started putting my hands in my heart and telling my body, don't worry. This is, you know, and so just relax. You're going to be fine. I'll take care of you. And it's like, and it's like, oh, okay. You know? And so um, anyway, I have a number of stories about that, about a different relationship with the body in a way that I never had before. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, people don't realize how, in how interconnected everything really is and the yeah. connection between, you know, our emotions, our mind and our spirituality and the physical body is like, they're interconnected. They're constantly playing off of each other. Yeah. Um, and actually that's one of the things that I teach is, uh, through like my coaching program is to, to help people understand that there is a connection between all four of those layers, yeah. mind, the emotions, the physical being and the spiritual being. Yeah. And we need to have um, balance in each of those areas so that we can come into, you know, perfect harmony or alignment or really be in a place where we're open to receiving. Yeah. And so um, it's interesting that you said that, that you actually, you know, have that a lot of the stories are around that body emotion connection. Mm-hmm. And that as you started to really like feel into the emotions or embrace what whatever was showing up for you, that the physical pain um, was relieved in the body. Yeah. 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 I I think um, tagging onto what you said um, early on in my journey, I I had started dating after I got divorced. It was three years after everything went to hell and my wife moved on to a whole new life. And I started dating and I, I went to go for a run because uh, she was a runner too, but I had had a chest cold for six weeks and I couldn't seem to shake the cold. And so it's like, I couldn't go even a half a mile. It's like, I give up. I just, I'm, I'm just, she goes, well, you should go see my nutritionist. And I was like, okay, well, never seen a nutritionist before. So I have this story in the book. Uh, I go to the nutritionist and I fully expect her to examine my diet and lifestyle and tell me different foods to eat. And I was athletic already. So I thought I ate well, but you know, I was open mind. But there was this awkward silence. And finally, after 20 minutes, she looks at me like over her reading glasses like this and says, <laughs> you have grief trapped in your chest. And it goes all the way back to earliest childhood with your mother. <laughs> what? <laughs> but on some intuitive level, it landed. And I knew it was true because my mother, when I was four months old, was in a near fatal car crash, is in the wow. hospital for a full year recovering. Wow. And I went to live with different relatives. And so I didn't have any conscious memory of it. Right. And, um, and, and so she goes, how are you with crying? And it's like, well, it's not really my thing. You know, it's least of all in front of other people. And so she gives me a homeopathic remedy called lung. And she says, I want you to go home and do what you need to do to cry. And it's like, well, sometimes I'll te- tear up during sappy movies. And so it took a while. I'm kind of a stalwart type. And, but eventually like, I remember watching a movie and I don't remember what the movie was, but the dam broke and I'm on my hands and knees, just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And I don't know what it was about. I really don't. There wasn't any conscious memory. It was just like a lot of grief that hadn't been, I hadn't allowed out or been processed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And so, and I remember when I was done going, wow, this is kind of cathartic. No wonder people do this. <laughs> it feels really good. But, um, and then, oh, um, uh, two or three days later, I have this really profound dream where I'm fishing on this river because I used to love to fish a lot. So a lot of my dreams are me fishing. And I meet this stout old man, looks like a stout little Irishman. And he's planted three weeping willows in the river. And he winks at me, goes, these should really improve the fishing. And so for me, fishing is kind of a metaphor what, for what people would call the spiritual seeker. Right. And, and it's been a journey because this was almost 20 years ago of into greater and greater levels of feeling and sensitivity. Wow. And so, yeah, that's been a journey is into um, like a crash course in the emotional body, you might say. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it is, I think it could take a lifetime to, uh, yeah. to really um, master navigating all of the emotions and the feelings yeah. that, that we, that we humans experience. Yes. Um, I'm extremely sensitive and have been most of my whole life. Um, yeah. so, you know, emotions have been a thing of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning. I'm still learning yeah. how to navigate them. I'm still learning. And I've, you know, been very in tune with my emotions. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, um, when, when you, when you're also um, sensitive energetically and you pick up everyone else's emotions, yeah, often can be difficult to decipher between what is yours and what is someone else's, unless you have certain practices in place that keep your energy space clean and clear and you know you're cleansing all the time it can be difficult to decipher what what is yours and what is yeah. someone else's yeah. and I think that was my biggest challenge growing up is just not having certain tools in place to help me navigate that and decipher between what is mine and what is someone else's yeah um, and so yeah when you're when you're highly sensitive to to energy and emotions and feelings it can can be difficult at times to navigate. Or I'm catching up with you, but so yeah. I, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not, maybe I'll just go slowly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I mean, you, I think you've done it the, the, well, I wouldn't say better way because there's no such thing, but at least yeah. you, you did it in a, in a way that um, you were equipped with some tools yeah. or you already had some tools in place. Um, right. I'm still learning what tools are working for me, what tools I need to apply in different situations. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and um, joining us on, uh, on our call today. Um, so if, if our guests wanted to, you know, get in touch with you or learn more about you or even about your book, um, where can, where can they find you? Yeah. My website is John David Latta. My last name is spelled L A T T A johndavidlatta.com. Everything's there. Um, my book is called The Synchronicity of Love, Stories That Heal, Transform, and Awaken. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and I saw just recently Target and Walmart. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Congrats. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'll definitely include a link to your website as well as uh, maybe the Amazon uh, book. So if okay. the you know, viewers want to... Uh, to take a read, then it'll be, uh, it'll be easy for them to access it. That'd be great. Thank you so much, Carla. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you again for, for being here with us this evening. And uh, I look forward to maybe having a chat with you again another day.
Oh, that would be awesome. Yay. That would <laughs> yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks again. And we'll, uh, we'll, um, we'll connect with you soon. That'd be great. Thank you, Carla. Hope you have a great evening. Yes. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this transformative episode of Awaken with Carla. I hope you found inspiration, guidance, and some practical tools that you can apply into your own life. As we come to the end of this episode, I wanted to take a moment to reflect on the wisdom that I've gained and the insights that we discovered together. Remember, transformation is a journey. And it takes consistent effort and dedication to create lasting changes. Here are some of the key takeaways that I had from my conversation with John. First, when it comes to doing our shadow work, having sincerity behind our intentions is one of the most important part of our journey. We need sincerity to ground us through the shadow work and through those difficult times in our journey. And I have to say that through my own personal transformational journey, that I've had moments where without having that sincerity in place, I'm not sure how I would be able to keep up with all the changes in my life and stay consistent with the things that I want to bring into life. So thank you, John, for sharing that valuable piece of insight because it is very important to have the sincerity behind the intentions that we are looking to manifest in our life. Another thing that really resonated with me uh, in my conversation with John was how when we open ourselves up to love that we are actually allowing space for more synchronicities to happen in our life. Love can actually create meaningful coincidences and connections that actually guide us on our path towards healing and awakening and transformation. And so it's so important that we find opportunities and spaces in our life where we can drop into our heart and we can open up our heart to uh, the people and the places and the things around us. And the more we practice a heart opening or have a heart opening practice, the more we can actually open ourselves up to greater opportunities, greater synchronicities, greater connection, and even more guidance towards our healing. So remember to find ways to open your heart up because once we do, we're actually inviting more abundance and more synchronicities into our life. The last thing that I really loved about my conversation with John was how he shared with us this new mantra or this heart opening practice. And it's so simple and very effective. Simply just place your left hand over your heart and your right hand over top your left hand. Take a nice deep breath in through the nose and just allow yourself to become centered and drop into your body. And then just repeat this mantra over and over until you feel your heart start to expand. I am calling in all the grace of my heart center, compassion, unconditional love, healing, and harmony. And just sit with this for, you know, 15, 20 minutes each day 
and repeat this affirmation and watch how your life will completely change and transform. So I encourage you to take the knowledge and the inspiration that you've gained in this episode and integrate this into your daily life. Embrace the practices and the mindset shifts that resonated with you and be patient with yourself as you navigate your personal growth. Remember, healing, self-discovery, spirituality is a lifelong pursuit. And I encourage you to continue exploring, learning, and growing in your own unique way. If you have any questions or you would like to share your experience, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our website or social media channels. Remember, you're not alone on this journey. We're here to support you every step of the way. Before I wrap up, I wanted to express my deepest gratitude to our incredible guest speaker, John David Latta. His wisdom and expertise have enriched this episode and brought us so much valuable insight. If you'd like to learn more about John, check out the show notes because I've included all his links. Lastly, I wanted to thank you, our amazing listeners, for being a part of this community. Your support, your feedback, and your engagement means the world to me. Together, we are creating a space for growth, connection, and transformation. I remind you again that if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave me a comment or a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform or video streaming platform. Your support means a lot to me, and it also helps me on my mission to empower individuals to living a fulfilled, authentic, and purposeful life by helping them to tap into their inner wisdom and potential. Remember the power to awaken and live your best life lies within you. You have everything you need to manifest your dreams and create a life of purpose and meaning. Until next time, keep embracing your journey of self-discovery, nurturing your well-being, and awakening the extraordinary that is within you. Stay tuned for more empowering episodes of Awaken with Carla. May you find peace, love, and light on your path.